0: This is Oscars Playback on the Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce Bing. And Joyce, you probably noticed there was no uh, fancy red carpet tonight. That'll send him a message. We're doing the 2003 Oscars.
1: Should I boo you? Yes. Yes. Very, very loud booze. Loud <laughs> I booze. Machine. I, sh- I should have gotten that for today.
0: <laughs> uh, Joyce, we're doing uh, the 75th annual Oscars now and in, in, in 2002 in film, Uh, this is, I would say, a cursed ceremony?
1: In many, many ways. Although, like, when I watched it 20 years ago, um, like, overall, like, winner-wise, like, I didn't really have much problems with it. This year also has my favorite win of all time. But, yeah, um, a lot of uh, outdated jokes, very canceled show.
0: It's canceled from top to bottom. This is, uh, of course, maybe you remember the Harvey Oscars. Harvey Weinstein had three. I mean, there are
1: multiple Harvey Oscars, but this was like peak Harvey. This
0: is like peak Harvey, especially after uh, the previous year when we talked about uh, last last episode, uh, the 2002 Oscars, not a, not a great moment for Harvey and, and Miramax as they got like kind of swamped over by everybody else. And it was like, this is the end of, uh the end of Harvey, right? Like that was it. And then uh, this was, uh, the big comeback uh, came now. And I he believe- three
1: uh, Best Picture nominees. Near
0: three Best Picture nominees. Gangs of New York, Chicago, which wins, and The Hours, which Harvey Weinstein co-produced with another uh, problematic uh, titan of these, this era, Scott Rudin, who is also now canceled. Yeah. Good time. Uh, and then- Roman Polanski is uh, referenced throughout and wins Best Director. So
1: one of one of the big upsets of the night by the pianist.
0: Huge upset, yeah. right? Uh, there was an article right uh before, uh the Oscars that Anne Thompson wrote. There's a lot of good. This is a great era because there's a lot of like burgeoning online stuff, and this was a uh, Harvey said last week. At, at, this is in February of 2003 before the ceremony. This is a uh cyclic, cyclical industry with up and down years. This is a once in a lifetime year. It won't happen again. Well, I guess that's good. I'm I'm saying good. That'll be my that'll be my takeaway.
1: Um, cyclical, yeah. So he's he's back on top. Um, I'll I'll just read this um quote by Scott Rudin. Yes, from he did q and A Q&A with the LA Times. This was published March fifth, two thousand three. The headline is Scott Rudin Unafraid of Virginia Wolf. Um. So then he's talking about how uh, he 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 just has to learn to relax around this process more. And then hmm. the interviewer says, no, a kinder and gentler Scott. Um, and then Scott says, I had a conversation with Harvey about this. He told me he was going to be a kinder and gentler Harvey. <laughs> and I said, well, then no one will want to work with you. Uh, which I kind of meant, I think one of the reasons filmmakers seek to work with Harvey and me is they want that combative ability. They want that turn to their advantage. They want to work with somebody who is willing to do whatever it takes to get their movie made and get their movies sold. Um, Miramax did do whatever it took to try to get Martin Scorsese a win this year.
0: So that was the big one, obviously yeah. for for Scorsese. Uh, so much so. Uh, I I again, I, mean, I said this before, and already I'm doing it. I have like this was like there's so much documentation on this Oscars, and especially because it was like the 20th anniversary this past year, uh, so or this a year. lot
1: a lot of retrospectives, a lot
0: of retrospectives, but uh, a lot of here was one thing I found an LA Times article. The and I'll just I'm just gonna read this verbatim, and we'll go into the year in film like we usually do, which is this is not a great this is not a great year, I would say overall. We've had much better cumulative years but here was it the impulse to give scorsese the oscar he should have won for raging bull and goodfellas wasn't unanimous either it's the exception rather than the rule when people went to win an oscar for their best work unless you think scent of a woman is peak pacino you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who counts gangs of new york as their favorite scorsese movie this is from this year uh i believe justin chang and uh kenneth Turan did a retrospective of uh this oscars um then Scorsese did too. Uh, Scorsese turned up at countless events concocted by Weinstein and his campaigners to put him in front of voters. I, I caught up with Scorsese for a long interview about a month before the Oscars. This is Taran speaking. He sounded tired and ready for the whole thing to be over. After voting began, he endured one last ignomy when it was revealed that a testimonial, one that Miramax was touting in campaign ads for gangs, had been written by an in house publicist and not the legendary director Robert Wise. Academy president Frank Pearson noted that many members asked for their ballots to be returned so that Scorsese's name could be stricken. The ballots weren't returned. It didn't matter. Scorsese would have to wait another four years to win for the departed.
1: Um, Iconic controversy. Yeah.
0: What a time. That, it, that... It,
1: was, it was great. Yeah. A multiple. Cause that, that whole controversy also started with William Goldman writing a whole rebuke of, uh Gangs of New York so yes. then uh Harvey and co had to pull out the stops and counterattack. yes then uh you know the, there was the the Robert Wise uh Puff piece <laughs> praising Marty was printed and it was credited to him but it turned out it wasn't by him and then he the best part about this is like he initially said like his assistant wrote it and then even his wife was like no that's not true
0: amazing <laughs> so, um, that what I just read to correct the record was Glenn Whip, not Kenneth Horan. Wow. I will say uh, the thing about this that made me laugh too, is that I don't think it's uncommon nowadays for uh well, maybe you're not crediting, maybe you're not a publicist or an assistant or somebody writing something and saying you're this, but a lot i I would say when I see stuff that's written by a celebrity now. I'm not sure if it's written by No, the like no,
1: it's just like it's like oh. as told to someone. But that wasn't the issue. It's like it's like one thing that he did it, but then Miramax printed the yes. op-ed and turned it into an ad. That was the big issue. Right. So this is um from the LA Times new twist on Gang's Oscar ad. So this is when it was revealed that Murray Weissman, a legendary famed awards publicist, actually penned a piece that was credited to Robert Wise. And Yes, so um, so it was subsequently re- reprinted by Miramax at least six times as a paid advertisement in Hollywood trade and consumer newspapers. The advertisement was headlined two-time Academy Award winner, Robert Wise, Declares Scorsese deserves the Oscar for Gangs of New York. Melissa Wise, Robert's wife, said Friday that her husband did not alter, quote, one word of Wiseman's text. Quote, it's exactly the same as they wrote, she said. Robert Wise said Thursday that a friend named Michael Thomas had helped him draft a story. Both Thomas and Millicent Wise said Friday that Thomas had nothing to do with the article's creation. <laughs> Wise did not comment on the matter. I love that his wife was just like, "No, fucks. It's like Amazing. this is what happened.
0: Great. The the, the Weinstein Scorsese battles on Gangs of New York are, are legend. There was a in, in April 2002. So this is before the movie comes out. Uh, there was a Times article, and this i love. of uh, Scorsese screened a three. And this is very relevant. I feel like because this year Martin Scorsese has a three-hour and thirty-minute movie called Killers of Flower Moon. Gangs of New York, I think, is like 240 maybe, but, uh maybe like even 230. But at the time, uh, Scorsese screened a three-hour, 40-minute version of Gangs of New York. This is in October of, I guess, 2001, when it was maybe first supposed to come out. Uh, There was so, it was like watching a miniseries, said one person who saw the film. There was so much slosh in between the things driving the story, it was impossible to get through. Mr. Weinstein confronted Mr. Scorsese at Mr. Scorsese's Park Avenue office in Midtown, demanding that he focus on the narrative and trim the movie or would not be released, confirmed several people involved in the production. Mr. Scorsese chafed at how aggressively Mr. Weinstein talked to him and argued back. He was very rude with Marty, and he did not like that, said a colleague of Mr. Scorsese. A representative for Mr. Scorsese called the arguments, quote, healthy creative disagreements.
1: And Harvey sat behind him at the show. Yes.
0: Uh, so we'll talk about this show, but first for the year in movies, Joyce. So we talked about the, some of these uh last episode because uh, the 2002 Oscars had some of these people present at the Oscars, including our boy Toby Maguire and Kirsten Dunst doing Spider-Man promo.
1: Yeah, they were at the previous ceremony like five weeks before Spider Man came out on May third. So uh,
0: overall, yeah, like I said, not my favorite movie. Or I wrote down some movies that I was like, these are good, but I didn't even see a lot of these in the. I I saw some of these in theater, but in the early part of the year before Spider Man, that that first that first like three months of the year is d- death deadly. Wow, Just- you
1: you didn't see a walk to remember. On January. I, 21- I, remember,
0: I did see Death to Smoochie because I was a big Ed Norton fan and it was fun and I have never seen it again. So I don't know if it's still good.
1: There's a lot of movies here I've never seen again. This was uh, also when I was like writing down movies, I was like, this was a killer year for Brian Cox.
0: Great year for Brian Cox. And we'll mention him later. I have him represented twice perhaps in my in my in my dream nominees. Uh, other movies I wrote down for the first part of the year is Panic Room, which is like a lesser Fincher that I feel like now people are like, kind of like, it was good. I just have never revisited it.
1: Um, I've seen it more than once or maybe like one and a half times, a good movie. Um, as you know, Nicole Kidman was supposed to be in it, but she busted her knee doing Moulin Rouge. Right. So Jodie stepped in.
0: Yeah. First time I saw a uh, uh, Kristen Stewart in a movie.
1: Interesting. Um, did you see Crossroads? Britney Spears is.
0: Missed that ABC one too. Film
1: debut written by Shonda Rhimes.
0: No, I remember it, but I did not see it. No. Wow. Rude. I, I did see Spider-Man, which felt like. Now, we're well past 9-11 at this point, but that felt like a real, like, fuck yeah, America is back moment in the theater, especially at the end when all the New Yorkers are uniting to, like, fuck up Green Goblin.
1: Well, I mean, it wasn't even just that. It was just, like, there was, you know, so much expectation for it, and it was good, and it was a, a hit, and it spawned a modern superhero. Era, so even though like X Men was it came two years before it, but it was like really Spider Man
0: that set it off. So, you're I know you're a Spider Man fan. I rewatched all of these like when No Way Home came out. Uh, I thought this Spider Man was fine. Spider Man Two is
1: out. the best one.
0: We Spider Man Two is good. I thought this Spider Man was also good, but it's like a little too goofy, I guess, compared to like what I see now with superhero movies. Not that they need to be like some great, you know cinematic achievement but
1: I I love the the Toby trilogy three is not great just it was overstuffed um and I like I like Tom Holland's like they're cute and I think he's the best at playing both Spider-Man and Peter Parker so and then you know Andrew's um poor guy he only got two and they were fine so Peter three
0: uh, I agree. I think I think Tom Holland's the best and I think the, I, I kind of like he's the best Spider-Man but anyway uh, other movies I wrote down. Uh, Star Wars Episode 2 Attack of the Clones just a bad sure. movie uh,
1: um, I never saw that in the theater so
0: I saw it but that was so we had seen uh, a few years earlier obviously uh, Phantom Menace and saw it four times in the theater and tried to convince myself it wasn't a huge disappointment and by years later, here in two thousand two, uh, I realized it was a huge disappointment. And then Attack of the tactical clones is just bad. And uh, you so just got to
1: stop gaslighting yourself. Some sometimes things are bad, so got to accept it. Uh, things shouldn't be made. So
0: about a boy, which I did not see in theaters, but I greatly enjoy. Love about a boy. Really Baby good. Nikki Holt. Great Nikki Holt. Uh, other movies are down. Insomnia, a Christopher Nolan movie that I really don't care about.
1: I've seen it once.
0: Paycheck gig, it felt like for him. Uh, the Born Identity, Matt Damon. Love the Action Born Aurora.
1: Identity, another Brian Cox joint.
0: Great so, year Brian Cox, and, mm-hmm. uh, and this was
1: um, this was Matt uh, asserting himself as a box office star because it was a huge hit. And obviously, this was also it was like when um, him, his, and Ben Affleck's careers kind of uh, inverted.
0: Yes, because later ben, in the year, Ben was
1: trying Ben. This was also the, during the Ben era, obviously. So Ben had uh, some of all fears, changing lanes, just a lot of like average movies.
0: He it, this I felt mean, like you know? a year of uh, a year of downs for changing lanes was like the the drama uh, with Samuel Jackson that was like a serious movie that ended up coming out in spring. And I saw in the theaters and never saw again. And then some of all of yours was like, "I'm going to be Jack Ryan. Here's my big franchise." And it was totally mid. And then Matt does, yeah, and then two week,
1: literally two weeks later, Born
0: Identity comes out, and, and Born <laughs> rules, and it's like really creative and like a great filmmaker. Have the point of view and like creating basically a, a like a language of action choreography that is still being ripped off now, right? Like it like really like, like reset the bar. Mm-hmm. And then Ben closes the year with Paycheck, which just writes itself. I feel like because it's a real yeah. bummer payback was a payback or paycheck um paycheck paycheck. yeah it sucks and that was like a great not a great time for for ben yeah this is not
1: not a great era uh, a career-wise for him because he he has geely coming up too in 2003 so
0: he does a great job at the uh the oscar ceremony though where he announces the screenplay nominee for original screenplay and obviously Ben Affleck is fluent in Spanish, and I just felt like that just... people
1: only discovered two months ago with Air.
0: But he, yeah. yes, but even here, it's just like, oh, he's so edu- like I, I'm a, I'm a Ben Affleck apologist, but I'm like, he is very educated and very intelligent, I think, and like he's
1: dumb and he's very don't...
0: smart.
1: Yeah, because it's it's just like, you know that 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 joke, um, where it's like, oh, he didn't actually, or like Matt Damon wrote. Um, goodwill hunting, and Ben just was like, add my name to it. You know, it's like, yes. it. it's like, no, he's a very intelligent man. And he watches interviews, like long form interviews, not like, you know, like morning talk shows that are like five minutes long. But he's, he's very eloquent and he's very perceptive and smart and has like really good insight on the industry and the film business. And yeah, he's fluent in Spanish because he lived in Mexico when he was a child. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, other stuff I wrote down Minority Report. Fan of
1: that one, Joyce? Um, I've only seen that once, but so I saw this um uh, during my my friend's a birthday celebration, it was her birthday weekend. So we went to CPK first for lunch, California Pizza Kitchen. Yeah, of course, because Greg would be thrilled. Yes. And then we went to Rose Field to see the movie. And my friend was sitting next to me, and she doesn't like when things touch his eyes. Mm. So when Tom Cruise was getting the eye implant she freaked out and just buried her head in
0: my shoulder <laughs> that's awesome
1: so that's my memory of the movie <laughs>
0: uh I love this era of Steven Spielberg movies right post 9-11 I feel like this is like a really great era of Spielberg is to like later have War of the Worlds which I think is amazing and Minority Report I think is really good and like these are like I feel like maybe now probably properly rated but at the time I think it was like underrated Spielberg because they were a little darker I'm using like air quotes there for darker but like they were a little more like using Pop like blockbusters to be like to expound on dark themes. I just found like this one really good, and I rewatched it like a few years ago, and it's actually still really good. Minority Report.
1: I feel like this was also the time period when um he was like he wasn't getting Oscar nominations for these movies, and I like you know like AI the year before and stuff, and like people had very high expectations of them landing with the Academy, and they just weren't. And like I would argue that. Like, some of them were in meant to,
0: Yeah, no way. You know, but it, that, in,
1: that obviously didn't stop people from over-predicting it early, early on before we're yes. even seen, so. Uh,
0: Men in Black 2?
1: Um, I've seen all the Men in Blacks in theaters, so. So
0: this is the one with Bernard Gilkey, I believe, <laughs> getting hit in the head with a baseball, so I'll never forget that. Let's go Mets.
1: That was, that came out the same weekend as uh, Like Mike with Baby Jesse Plemons. Sure. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, Road to Perdition, which I was psyched about because it was Sam Mendes's first movie after uh, American Beauty, which at the time I still re- really liked and still wasn't canceled. So it was like, wow, this guy's coming back with another thing. And Tom Hanks is a bad guy. And uh, it's a good movie. I, I At the time, I think it was like a disappointment because it's like yeah. pretty slow. But I rewatched that last year and uh, it holds up really well. And I think it's like actually like pretty solid across the board.
1: I... Then I I think I only saw that on pay-per-view so I saw that like a couple times at pay-per-view and I, I can't remember the last time I've seen it Like I, I thought it was fine, like it was good but um, I understand why it didn't really take off um,
0: it, It's a movie you like, not love There's not yeah. a lot of passion behind it even then, I feel like uh, yeah. Other other hits I wrote down, just, Austin Powers 3 And
1: Goldmember? I saw yeah. that on vacation with my family We were just like, we had nothing to do one night so we saw Goldmember Yeah so sure. that's like, that's, that's all I have to say. <laughs> signs? I saw, yeah, I saw Signs in theaters. Um Sure. I'm not Ooh. like huge on like M. 9 Shyamalan.
0: I, I really liked it. I was big on M. Night Shyamalan in this era. And it was like another, like, he's back, even though Unbreakable obviously is like, has a great reputation now. It was kind of like a bummer movie, like from a post Sixth Sense aspect. And Signs though now... I think people liked, but again, now completely, I, no, I'm not going to go- No one really that. talks about it. No, kind of yeah. like forgotten. Uh, Swim Fan?
1: Oh, Swim Fan, iconic film. Great. Yeah, it came out in September, I remember that.
0: Love it. Uh, mm-hmm. Other ones I wrote down. This is a bad movie, but I love the jacket that Jake Gyllenhaal wears in it, Moonlight Mile. He wears like a shat, like a shawl, is it called? Like when it's like that on the collar? Yeah, like that now. one,
1: that movie was okay. Of love the Ellen Pompeo's debut. Yep. So- um jake also was in the good girl with jennifer aniston this was like a, a big year for her 2002 because uh she would win the emmy this year for friends yes so and this was kind of like her her like her indie darling this film yes so um, uh
0: not a great movie i don't think
1: it's fine yeah uh,
0: a couple others i, I we'll keep burn through these and any i forget i'm sure we'll talk about later uh punch drunk love
1: um good film yeah,
0: good. Uh, again, post Magnolia, PTA with Adam Sandler. I was obviously like really amped for this, and it felt like a little bit of a letdown at the time, but I do think it's a good film. Uh, Eight Mile,
1: my fave. I knew you
0: would love, you'd love that. The best, best just movie of the a- year. Absolutely rule. Saw it opening night. Couldn't wait. It was so I good. have.
1: I've seen it obviously many, many times. Um, just, just the best. Um, and I, I went to. The pop up back in November for the 20th anniversary. Yes. So yeah. I had mom's spaghetti. How was it? Great. Delicious. Um, I have, where's, <laughs> I have, I kept the container, obviously. There you
0: go. Oh, wow. You have right there. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Mom's Love spaghetti. This. Yeah. Delicious. Love this. Eminem, the goat. So goat yeah.
0: movie, goat Eminem.
1: Curtis Hansen. Great. RIP. Yeah, no. All right. Brittany Murphy, too. RIP. Uh. Yeah
0: uh other ones i wrote down uh this is honestly one of my this so i like i said i didn't think this year was very good and then in the last week of the year three of my favorite movies of the whole year uh are all released basically at the same time 25th hour which is one of my favorite spike lee movies it absolutely rules just an incredible brian cox ed norton uh loved it at the time and love it still i think it's like definitely like the post 9 11 new york movie it feels like uh just it
1: came very very late um yeah that was great
0: Uh, Gangs of New York which I think is good I don't think it's a it's not a flop to me and it's like there's a lot of good stuff in it it's Daniel Day Lewis is fucking amazing in it and like I think the reputation is like tainted because of the way it was like kind of Harvey and the Oscar losses but it's like really solid movie
1: I've only seen it once like I've never felt the urge to watch it again but I mean I didn't hate it when I watched it 20 years ago
0: and i will (laughs) say yeah it feels like a good movie and catch me if you can which is probably my favorite movie this whole year and
1: catch me if you can i saw that uh, i was in the theater as it became 2003 oh great a new year's eve midnight movie so yeah um did you did you see mr deeds no so i saw that with my friend and then it ended and then we decided to sneak into the next theater, which was playing Reign of Fire. Do you remember that movie? Oh,
0: hell yeah. Christian Bale,
1: Matthew McConaughey, Dragons. Yeah. Rules. So we snuck into that. So don't the, I've snuck into movies twice in my life. The first time I was uh, nine, right? For The Client. Nice. After seeing Andre. And then this, for *Rain of Fire, after seeing Mr. Deeds. Um. What else did I write down? Oh, the Hey Arnold movie. I loved Hey Arnold in the 90s.
0: Not for me, probably. I think I'm a little... That's me being a little older, I guess.
1: Uh, Blue Crush, which I watch mm-hmm. a lot on pay-per-view. Sure. Um, and what else is there? Oh, City <laughs> by the Sea. De Niro, James Franco, Francis McDormand.
0: I remember it, yep. That was like yeah. a big deal. That was when De Niro was making a lot of movies and you still had to be like, oh, these are going to be good. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's like not as much. Uh, you
1: just know like it's just like a paycheck gig now yes um me goes down with my fave kieran culkin
0: i definitely was not hot to that at the time but now obviously wow. i am like uh, uh sure.
1: secretary at breakout row for maggie gyllenhaal mm-hmm. sweet home alabama this was when reese was really kicking into her rom-com era after yes Blonde. yes the rules of attraction
0: yeah i was not as into that as I felt like I should have been, but it was like, oh, Roger Avery and, uh, you know, what's his face, Brett, Brett Zanella's After American Psycho adaptation. I was like, oh, this will be good, and I didn't love it that much.
1: Yeah, um, Die Another Day, obviously, Bond, not yeah. great. I I saw that for my mom's birthday because she loves Bond, so we just saw that. Um, nice. So that's one of the last Bond films I've seen, as you sure. know. Sure, of course. Yeah. And then what else is there? Oh, frailty, um, Bill Paxton's directorial debut, R.A.P. So that was good. Um, Murder by Numbers. This is where Sandra Bullock and Ryan Gosling met and then they started dating. Yes. <laughs> um, the J.Lo films, Enough, made in Manhattan.
0: Made in Manhattan was really good. And Enough was fine.
1: Yeah. Uh what else is there? Oh, Super Troopers, another Brian Cox joint.
0: <laughs> Never saw Super Troopers, I gotta say.
1: Um Big Fat Liar. And oh, the rookie was like a, a low-key like hit in the spring. Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh other movie it's like Jackass the movie. Uh of course. I Gale. never
1: I've never seen any of the jackasses.
0: Uh in the movie Narc. Right. Which at the time, so I don't know. I was like, I was out of college, so I was working, and I must have had must have known somebody who got like award screeners. So I remember at the time I got adaptation on a disc. From your radio I, job. It wasn't from my radio job. I don't know who it was. And I had to watch that on my like computer. And then I think NARC, I had like a dot movie file or something for it. And probably that means it was pirated or her nose, maybe ripped off from an award screener. Did you,
1: did you watch it on like Windows Media? Or something?
0: Probably, yeah. And NARC, it was like a big Ray Liotta performance. And I remember it was a big deal because like Tom Cruise personally like shepherded this movie from Joe Carnahan and then it handpicked Joe Carnahan to direct Mission Impossible 3 and then had a great cast and that whole movie just exploded and then J.J. Abrams made it uh instead and I really love Mission Impossible 3 but I would always love to see the Joe Carnahan version because I think Scarlett Johansson was in it which I was like super psyched about uh and like other people Carrie Moss, I think was in that version too but anyway it never happened but NARC was like a thing I felt like even though I don't really remember much about it. it feels like
1: no it was more like it was it was never like mainstream
0: no so and it feels like it's like the shield or just like a, you know t- it's like now it would be tv
1: mm-hmm. um oh queen of the dam this was mm-hmm. uh Aaliyah Aaliyah. after sure. she died so. R.I.P. yeah
0: uh catching you can literally just i was like i like i think this is like top three steven spielberg i think it's like one of his best movies a lot of fun
1: yeah Holy uh Andy adam's great in it
0: Everyone is great. Annie Adams is great. Leo is probably until like Wolf of Wall Street, once upon a time in Hollywood, Leo, this is my favorite Leo.
1: Leo needs to do more comedies. That's what I've been telling him my entire life.
0: He's so good in this. And it's like, he really is effortless. Hank's going kind of against type is really fun.
1: Yeah. Walken's great. Martin Sheen.
0: Everyone yeah. is so good. And the yeah. movie is so, it's like relentless entertainment. I think it's like really one of Spielberg's best movies. So of course it doesn't really. Yeah. And then the
1: score too.
0: So. Score is great. Uh, And then The Hours in Chicago come out at the end of the year, Mm -hmm. basically. Another big year, we'll talk about him a lot, I'm sure. Uh, John C. Riley, who's in three of the five Best Picture nominees, Mm -hmm. and a nominee himself for Chicago. But he was in Gangs, The Hours, and Chicago. (laughs)
1: Um, And then he was also in Good Girl, too. Not a Best Picture nominee. He had a a lot of other.
0: Yeah. Just Just a wild year. Uh, So we go into the Oscar choice, and there was... Uh, Trepidation that would even happen because r- very recently uh, America went into war with Iraq.
1: It was, yeah. Uh, the war started on March 20th, the Oscars were on March 23rd, 2003. This was the last ceremony uh, pre COVID in late March yes. because the year they moved it up a month to end of February or early March in Winter Olympic years. Yes. So, because they uh, wanted to like uh, shorten the campaign season yeah maybe so. a good
0: idea based on this campaign season uh yeah. the show was three hours and 30 minutes 53 minutes shorter than la- the previous year which was the longest oscars of all time
1: they still, they still had a lot of extra bits in this one
0: a lot of extra bits including uh the uh academy uh reunion photo that's in this one,
1: family right? album they copied what they did for the 70th show so they just reunited a bunch of Uh, acting winners introduced by olivia de Havilland. rip that was her last uh stateside public appearance so because she lived Uh, lived in paris for france um but yeah that's a very long segment
0: really long but pretty cool uh ratings for this were i would say flop city no uh, 33 million 9 million fewer uh than the previous year not surprised based on the movies that were nominated because it was like Chicago was like a hit retroactively. I feel like, but like none of these were like, like,
1: it was doing well, but it's not like a blockbuster.
0: None of these really blockbusters except for two towers. And like that even had like middle child syndrome basically. So like no one was caring about that movie, even though I think it's probably some people think it's better than fellowship, but we talked about this previously. I do think fellowship is better than two towers and probably return of the King, which we'll talk about next episode. Because it sweeps everything, and Steve Martin hosts. That, for the that might be time.
1: like our our shortest episode because there's like nothing to say. <laughs> uh,
0: Steve Martin hosts for the second time. Mentioned this before, Joyce. Uh, very much of the era, which is uh, and and perfect for this incredibly creep ass ceremony. Just Steve Martin, very very dated, sexist, misogynistic material. I was like, this does not not a lot of the jokes work.
1: I mean, I was cringing at the time, watching it. Like, I think in general steve did a good job like his non-sexist jokes were good
0: i'll give you a few of the non-sexist ones that i wrote down uh this was the first oscars in hd television so i'd like to say hello to the three guys watching in circuit city anyways just a great joke of the era
1: and then his uh his his uh salary joke with tom cruise is like you should just do what tom cruise does at the end of every week he takes one million dollars and sets it aside and he puts it away
0: so good. The <laughs> other one that made me laugh is obviously because it's like the Oscars family album. A lot of old Oscar winners or prior Oscar winners are there and like legends of Hollywood who are all mostly deceased now. Mickey Rooney is there way in the, way back. the back. And uh, and and Steve goes, Mickey, I'm sorry we couldn't get you a better seat, but Vin Diesel is here. That is a hilarious joke and his delivery of it was so good.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then when he was talking about like movie stars, uh, they could be thin or skinny. Yes. Democrat. Yeah. and then uh, young, middle aged or old, and it was just photos of Haley joe Osment, Natalie Portman,
0: and Reese Witherspoon. Yes, yeah. he has another one. Uh, Roman Polanski is here. Get him. It's a good joke. And um, then he was not there, though. No. Uh, and then one that I wrote down that was made me laugh because I was like, "Is it though?" And I guess it kind of is. Miramax stopped at nothing to make sure Chicago was nominated. And tell me, you tell me if you think this is fair. They made a really good movie that everybody likes. And everybody applauds and I'm like, did they though? And
1: is it though? I, I, I do think like everyone liked the movie. Yeah,
0: it's, sure. It it's just good like movie.
1: and it's also the 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 lightest one of the bunch of that group. Yeah. So uh
0: but then like you said, like a lot of the jokes are very misogynistic. He has one that reminded me of do you remember uh the the online film critic lights camera jackson? Are you of familiar course. with that person? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at one of the critics choice awards where uh, all the critics and the 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 people mingle with the stars and get selfies with them. He he yeah. put and a photo. Them, yeah. He put up a photo of uh, Amy Schumer, and he's like, got to spend the night. I, I'm gonna paraphrase the the bad tweet that it was, but it was like, got to spend the night with Amy Schumer. Uh, can't say I'm the first guy to say that or something, right? Like that. And and she responded. And she responded, and she, and she was responded like, wow, that's really shitty and sexist, and like you, that's not cool. And so Steve Martin, so that that joke reminded me of a Steve Martin joke at this ceremony, and he's like. Jack Nicholson got in the hot tub with uh, Kathy Bates can't say uh, you know she was he's not the only person to do that or something and she's like kind of appalled and like laughs it off but I was like she didn't seem to really love that joke I don't know that seemed like pretty mean spirited
1: I mean there were he that that whole sequence was very long um, an, I mean like one the, of, the Jack jokes like also like Jack being gay
0: so there's a lot of yeah. homophobic jo- jokes too or I mean not just like tone deaf I feel like where it's like can you believe Jack is gay
1: kind of yeah um and then at like at the end of his monologue he like they put on the screen like all the people who've allegedly slept with Steve
0: he's like I've slept with so many great actors and it's like uh, all the very attractive nominees including like Renee Zellweger uh Halle Berry Nicole Kim
1: the first one and she's mortified she's very
0: mortified uh I'll go back to Nicole Kim because he has a Pretty funny joke about her earlier, but Nicole came in. I think uh, Halle Berry, who I feel like is sexualized throughout the whole ceremony, not just Adrian Brody like making out with her, but like in multiple jokes. It seems like she's yeah, like and then she just
1: she just has to keep guffawing at all. Like
0: it. it's all about like how she's super hot and not like about anything else about her. Diane Lane looks truly traumatized when Steve Martin like throws her face up, and like I felt so bad for her again. Like watching it now. I was just like, wow, that sucks. Like, this is just such shitty jokes. They're not even jokes. None of this would fly. (laughs) They're they're not (laughs) even jokes. It's just like, I slept with all these actors. And then like the joke at the end is like Lilo and from Lilo, or Stitch from Lilo and Stitch is also present.
1: Yeah. And then they also do uh, Ted Anson and Mary Seabrook.
0: Right. I kind of thought they were going to go back to Jack because they set up earlier like that That uh,
1: gay. he was
0: gay or like could be gay uh none of it works it reminded me also of and again this is like early days of the internet and a different time so nobody was outraged or would be publicly like outraged like they would be now but it reminded me a lot of like the Seth MacFarlane monologue uh and like the song like the we saw your boobs song which was rightly castigated at the time and like didn't age well at all even in the moment and I'm like Steve Martin did that like 10 years ago 10 like eight years earlier and if I was Seth MacFarlane at the time I might have been like you let Steve do it
1: there were a lot of things from the ceremony that uh, just went, you know, completely, like, fine. And, like, there there was, like, no repercussions for no. any of it. Just, well, like, uh, like yeah. totally unchecked. That's the word I was looking for. Unchecked. And because I remember even, like, the day after, like, all the coverage, it, there was, like, no real, like, reaction to that. either i feel like a lot of like the ceremony reviews are just about like whether or not the show was good you know and nothing really about the the sexist jokes and even when they're like you know critiquing steve it was about like his act in general and not necessarily those jokes
0: and again not to like apologize for this era but i mean clearly like that was more of like what the comedy stylings of the era were that it didn't even It, it didn't even rate that it would be problematic and who knows like what kind of shit now that we make fun of that 12 20 years from now will be like I nobody even questioned it then but now it's obviously bad so i feel like that's kind of like what's going on here like none of this stuff steve martin said then would have been a problem because i'm like all the comedies and everything that was like out there in culture was like this jokes and yeah, everybody it was, just decided it was accepted
1: and like it was yeah. very tacit exception of it it's kind of like when we did like the 90s last year a lot of very outdated jokes there too a lot of sexist jokes yes it it just surprised me Billy Billy has a lot of problematic jokes
0: of course it just surprised me because I never really think of like I guess I and this is my own thing but I was like in my head Steve Martin is not like a problematic comedian and I still don't think he is but I was like it just surprised me that so much of his material here was like based on like I
1: feel like that's also because who wrote this ceremony was it Bruce Verlange I think so it's, I think it's also because it is like a a, a more broad audience as a literal global audience. Yes. It's like they're trying to appeal to that.
0: Um, uh, so. Such a ceremony that Roman Polanski obviously wins dress directoring. We'll get to this later, I'm sure. And gets a, sta- a partial standing ovation, certainly. And then Michael Moore gets up on stage and is like, George Bush sucks. And this war is a fucking fake corrupt war. And he gets booed off the stage. <laughs> I'm just like, times have changed.
1: Yeah, um, very loud booze. And I remember watching that live and I'm like, what is wrong with all of you? (laughs) But that was Uh, the thing, everyone was just afraid to speak out, to even personally.
0: Yes, um, a different time.
1: Yeah. Because also, there was also like, um, well, last year, Adrian Brody, he gave an interview, um, probably promoting a winning time. And he revealed that uh, Jack Nicholson had all the best actor nominees over to his house for dinner one night and he was like we should boycott the ceremony and not go and adrian bodie was like you all can't because you've won before but i'm going because this is my That's first one and a lot of presenters dropped out because the war started so right
0: uh and we'll get to brody i thought he's like his speech is really good but uh so the best picture nominees this year choice we'll go through as we usually do and we'll uh is this was the list like we had mentioned the three harveys or two and a half Harveys, or four Harveys, depending on how you want to look at it, because they also had like a little piece of Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, right, or at least involved in that in the early days. Chicago wins, Gangs of New York, The Hours, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and The Pianist.
1: Um, Yeah, this was Chicago's to lose, although I do think if The Pianist had come out earlier or there was like another two weeks of voting or before the ceremony the PNS could have won
0: i absolutely think the PNS could have won it felt like it wouldn't happen and chicago was like won six oscars and i think had like 11 nominations right let me uh, uh, or so it had 13 13 excuse me uh so it was like a huge a huge deal it's not like a you know like a spotlight type best picture winner it was like a big Big Deal, but obviously, because the what the pianist won, it felt like it definitely is the runner up here.
1: The pianist won director, screenplay, and actor, yes, like three above the line, yes. Uh,
0: so yeah, so I I think if you were doing it now, I still think maybe I would pick Chicago of this list, but I don't love any of these. Chicago
1: would win now, too.
0: I don't really love any of these movies, though. I mean, like, straight up, they're not like, I mean, Two Towers, I think, is good. But like we said, I think two towers
1: was never winning. Not just because no. Peter Schecter was snubbed, but it was like, like you said, it's middle child syndrome. Yeah, it's like it's not the first, it's not the last. We know the last is coming, so we could just wait for the last one.
0: <laughs> uh, but based on what you're saying, here's a, uh, that. And there's an Ann Thompson article, like you said, right before the ceremony, and she kind of goes through uh a lot of the 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 whole race. The only film that has a prayer of beating Chicago, which is well on its way to 100 million, is The Pianist which also happens to be the only best picture contender without Weinstein's fingerprints on it. At Cannes, he hated the pianist so much he walked out. Focus Features bought the Palme d'Or winner for $3 million. Able to use his summer cash cow, The Hulk, as leverage, Focus president Jane Seamus will make sure his parent company, Universal, injects plenty of juice into the campaign. He learned a few things as the producer-writer of Crouching Tiger, and now has ex-Miramax marketing chief David Brooks on his team, eager to prove his mettle. And then this is the next. uh, I'm just going to read you this. This is still Anne, but I just was like, this whole thing is great. The penis has several things going for it as well. People perceive the film as the underdog that did not buy its way into award season. It got there on its own considerable merits. Many Academy members are as uncomfortable as Meryl Streep with the current frenzy of political style Oscar promotion. Early in the article, she mentioned how Meryl had the hours and adaptation and really was like kind of like, I don't like uh, skeeving a little bit. Uh, Although Roman Polanski can't campaign here. This is a great although, and like just they little tossed off. He has made great movies, among them Rosemary's Baby, Chinatown, and Tess. Polanski is not a pariah, says Hollywood reporter, film editor, Greg Kilday. When he left town, he was still embraced by all the bad boys. Polanski won't promote the movie anyway, because he finds it unbearable to talk about his own Holocaust history and Oscar virgin Adrian Bro- Brody is widely admired for the suffering he endured for his performance. With the right handling, focus could turn the movie's weakness into strengths. And then here's a quote. It succeeds as a drama, as history, and as a personal expression from a major filmmaker, says Think Films Mark Ehrman. It's the best Holocaust movie ever made. Even Elizabeth Taylor, the quintess... This, this is, this is the, really one of the greatest paragraphs I've ever read. Even Elizabeth Taylor, the quintessential Academy voter, over the hill, high-minded, and slightly daffy, took time out from defending Michael Jackson on Larry King live to declare her Oscar favorite, the pianist. Now that struck a chord. Daffy. Took time out from defending Michael Jackson <laughs> to say "Rome Polanski's the pianist is my favorite movie. So I think you're right that if this was like a little longer season, it would have probably won. And I think it's definitely the runner up.
1: Yeah. I, I like the pianist. Um, and it's, it's a great film, but it, it is like, it it was the underdog because i don't it's not splashy right and i think there's also maybe kind of not a hesitation but you kind of have to like be in the right mind to watch that movie like you know what you're going into it's a holocaust drama
0: mm-hmm.
1: and stuff um but yeah it it had won the bafta the month before um polanski also won there so it was building momentum and yeah i think it's like one of those things where if if you actually watch the movie you kind of just Uh, maybe like fall in Love is like too extreme, but like you, you really like it. And Adrian Brody is great in it as well. So, and yeah, I do think like part of it is also like the backlash a little bit to Miramax. Yes. Um, and so that's how like they lost like those other categories, but like they just kind of ran out of real estate to take the big one.
0: Exactly. And I think that's exactly right. Uh, we usually go through to pick five other nominees. I gotta say pulling teeth to get me to five this year but based on the nominations themselves and the other winners and categories and nominees this is what i came up with and you tell me how wrong this is frida i think would have gotten in (laughs) that's the best picture
1: um i mean i wouldn't have it at six (laughs) like no not
0: six but i think like nine or ten but i mean like
1: i would i would have um adaptation and about schmidt
0: I didn't have about Schmidt. I wasn't sure. I have adaptation. I have road to perdition because I think it could have gotten in as a liked, not loved. And I think it had six nominations overall anyway. And then I had talked to her.
1: I have talked to her because Pedro got in to the her, and he won screenplay.
0: And my big fat Greek wedding.
1: I have I mean, that too. That I think if it was the, nowadays,
0: it thing. would have definitely gotten in.
1: Yeah. I I also have far from heaven. They're not really into Todd Haynes. No. But that was like the critical favorite of the year and i think if it was like a hard 10 especially now it would have gotten in yeah it got like carol missed but that was still the sliding scale right um yeah there i i wrote down roadie perdition but i don't really know if that would have gotten in because i feel like that's a kind of like respected and not loved
0: respect not love it had six nominations like i said frida had six nominations that was the kind of what i was going for with them but I agree that neither one of those are probably really loved. I, I would have loved to see Spider-Man and Catch Me If You Can, but I don't think either one of them had enough juice.
1: No, I would have loved to see eight mile, but that was never happening. Um, Spirited Away would have been good.
0: So I wrote that down too. And yeah, I it, it would have never
1: happened, but no. it would have been great.
0: And Bowling for Columbine, I wrote down. Because it won. Will
1: they ever nominate a documentary?
0: No, but no. it's so uh, that is not, I mean, if you add what we just said to this list of five, this is one of the weakest, best picture lineups, I think, in the last 30 years. Well,
1: also, PGA, this is PGA. PGA didn't even nominate the hours, and they had a six, right, nominations? Yes. PJ did Chicago, which won. Adaptation, Gangs of New York, Lord of the Rings, My Big Five Greek Wedding, obviously, because box office hit, and Road to Perdition. So.
0: I mean, not a great, this is just not a great year. Uh, and like you said, I think the penis probably came in second. Uh, on this it list. for
1: sure it was a second and um,
0: if i was doing it now honestly i would probably put my personal preference would be gangs but i don't even think gangs should like none of these are great movies to
1: gangs me. i don't think ever had a chance no but when it, i think there's just way even without the, the campaign bullshit like i think there's just way too much apathy towards it
0: it felt like it did feel like and we'll get to like when we do these later the aviator which i actually like a little more than gangs in new york i think it's like quite good but these felt like the a lot of flops went on these marty trying to get marty an oscar
1: yeah and, and then and then he had no fucks left to give with the departed
0: and it's like one of his best movies and like yeah. that's it i, I don't I, like i love like marty's my favorite director but like this is yeah uh for best director joy speaking of of good old marty roman polanski wins for the penis uh re- read off by his frantic star harrison ford who kind of smirks looks pretty pleased
1: Harrison Ford loves presenting upsets at the Oscars.
0: Uh, Rob Marshall for Chicago, Martin Scorsese for Gangs, Stephen Daldry for The Hours, and Pedro Almodovar for Talk to Her. Um, Marshall, I think, was obviously the expected winner.
1: Right, the one of the DGA, one DGA yeah, yes. that has a, a great track record with um, the Oscars. Um, so, and. I, I, you know, Chicago, the best picture front runner.
0: And Rob Marshall, not a director, I think, who people think is very, a, a great director. Certainly uh, was really castigated recently for, for Little Mermaid. Not everybody's favorite. Uh, I think he's perfectly fine. And I think like Little Mermaid was solid enough and Into the Woods I thought was like actually okay, even though I think the stage versions are better. It was not like a total calamity to me. And Chicago is good and definitely his best movie but like yeah i mean i can't i can't make the case for him to win other than the fact that it was like chicago won everything and was like kind of he steamrolled basically until polanski upset
1: yeah because it's interesting because i like i remember the vibe was that it like he was the favorite obviously and if you were going to predict an upset most people were predicting the upset to be marty of course so and because a lot of I remember the sentiment was like oh Polanski's not going to win because of you know the rape charges and everything. Right. Um uh but like Marty's right there and he's overdue and but I I think like they just don't care if you're overdue if they don't like the
0: movie. I think that's and we've seen that before they're not as sentimental as one might think and yep. like that kind of is what happened I think with Marty here um and polanski obviously you know the that that win is cited by a lot of people as like on any political any side of the political spectrum is like hollywood is fucking you know out of touch with reality and like mm-hmm. giving him a standing ovation is akin to like giving will smith a standing ovation after he you know uh slapped chris rock kind of not obviously the 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 primes are not the same but the vibe of like we're just going to celebrate this person who won
1: i also feel like at that time my reading of it uh when he got the standing O when he won was that they all kind of felt enough time had passed. And like, also like separating the art from the artist to cause like this, like he had already been nominated before for tests, like after everything. Um, and so,
0: yeah. It's a weird separating the art from the artist because it's such a personal movie. So you really can't like, if you're liking the movie, you actually have to like accept that, that, it's a lot of Rome Plancy's actual story, like in a different form, right? You know what I mean? Like what his experience were in the Holocaust. So it is like a weird separation. And it not it's not a mass standing ovation, but like you see Martin Scorsese is standing and applauding. And I'm not surprised because I'm like, Martin Scorsese is like a, you know, I think it's separating art from the artist. Who knows? I have no idea. I would not speak for Martin Scorsese's thoughts 20 years ago, but I'm like, you know, people are definitely applauding for this, but.
1: Yeah. And I think like, you know, there's probably some, for some people, even now if you watch the movie, there's like, you have like internal conflict. It's like, if you like the movie, but it's like, oh man, it's from Roman Polanski. Like, I don't want to like it, but it is a good movie.
0: And you know? I would say like, then there was less of that. I feel like, yeah. again, like we we're saying, like the way the culture has evolved. Uh, it, I think there was a lot less of internal like debate over being like, how can I like yeah, I reason? do think
1: I I do think like the time lapsed has a lot to do with it. Yeah, too. So but so I found a Roger Ebert's predictions. Yeah. So he writes like, I don't know, like six graphs on director. So he says like Rob Marshall's a safe bet. And then he goes, but I can't believe it. I can't believe that Martin Scorsese at 60, one of the two greatest active American directors with Robert Altman, will be passed over again. By Twizzler-brained Oscar voters who get timid when confronted by genius. So then he recaps all his losses. Um, and then so he gets with like good fellows. So you know he lost to Kevin Costner for *Dances with Wolves*. Which one of those would you want to see again? Scorsese is not only a great director, but an invaluable citizen of the film community, a crusader for film preservation, a historian whose documentaries about Hollywood and Italian classics are themselves classics. And damn it all, he made the best of the five films. But I'm not predicting that Martin Scorsese will win just because he deserves to. I'm predicting he will win because Harvey Weinstein, who produced both Chicago and Gangs of New York, is going full bore, hell for leather to win the best picture for Chicago, but has let it widely be known that he hopes voters will split their tickets and vote for Scorsese for director. It's the only category in which Harvey is making personal phone calls. He is a very persuasive man.
0: And I actually think if you want to like, I think what we were saying about Polanski and like the pianist and obviously like it was a late charger, but I also think that is why Rob Marshall probably lost is because the campaign was to split the ticket. And so when you're adding Scorsese in there to having split the ticket, that leaves room for Polanski then to win in like a three team, a three person race basically.
1: Yeah. And I think it also kind of helps that in a way of for Polanski not to have been campaigning because like they really made Adrian Brody the face of that movie. Yes. For obvious reasons. So I think it's kind of, you feel more affection towards him. Maybe, maybe you kind of forget about Polanski, but then you love the movie. So then you just end up voting for him because, like, Miramax is being a pain in the ass, Mm -hmm. you know, about voting for Marty. And, or maybe you don't like, like, Rob Marshall's direction that much. Um, But yeah, I like, it was very clear that Marty was unamused by all the shenanigans with the ad and then there's so there's a quote from his publicist here Mm -hmm. after it was revealed that or no this was before it was revealed that it was written by a publicist but it was like the controversy over the ad um so lois smith scorsese publicist said marty was very touched by what bob wise said but he never knew it it was going to become an advertisement he was not happy and then the LA times like the following sentence is just Scorsese has never won an Oscar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> oh man. I, I will say it's funny reading all the articles about this. It's like, and how contentious the gang's production was before this, all this Michigas so with the Oscar campaigning. It was like, you know, Marty and they're going to come back together and do the aviator. And like, they didn't really, right? Like, I mean, that was not a Harvey movie and it ended up like he had some uh, stake in it, but like Scorsese really never dealt with Harvey again in such a one-on-one fashion as he did on gangs i think that kind of this whole thing a little bit soured uh their their relationship
1: yeah, yeah gangs didn't win anything so over
0: 10 yeah uh so other directors who could get nominated here i wrote down peter jackson obviously best picture nominee but not a best director nominee we know why because he would win the following year uh other people i wrote on julie taymore for frida
1: mm, yeah that would make a line i had a gym
0: uh would never happen because of the sexism obviously that we talked about earlier just reflected in the Steve Martin monologue and like just women directors in general. But I feel like that would have made a lot of sense. Spike Jones for adaptation felt like it could have happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then I wrote down all my faves that it would never get nominated, but Spielberg, Spike Lee, PTA and Alfonso Cuaron for Mama Tambien. Um,
1: e- yeah, but I never expected him to be, it was like, no.
0: This yeah. feels like a pretty set five. I'm like not surprised Pedro Almodovar got in. Obviously talk to her, was like widely acclaimed and beloved and he wins screenplay. So uh,
1: yeah, I also, I had um, Todd Ains, but which was like never going to happen, mm-hmm. obviously. So uh,
0: for best actor choice, let's go right there. You mentioned Adrian Brody wins for the pianist. Another huge upset, I would say, right?
1: Yeah, because it was understood to be between Jack and DDL. <laughs> uh,
0: other nominees, Nicolas Cage for Adaptation, Michael Caine for The Quiet American, another Harvey movie, and Michael Caine basically like begged borrowed, and Steele to get it like in there, and, and he, he did a good job. Daniel Day-Lewis for Gangs, and Jack Nicholson for About Schmidt. Great ceremony, because Nicolas Cage and Jack Nicholson are sitting next to each other the whole time, and, oh man, they are thrilled of Adrian Brody's win. They seem legitimately thrilled. Everyone all,
1: does like thrill for him like I think one of the reasons even though this ceremony is you know incredibly outdated um I just like like the winners because we did have so many upsets that we do not see these days
0: so never so Andrew Roddy wins he goes up obviously Halle Berry presents as like the previous best actress winner and he kisses her right on the mouth Which is now 15 seconds. Which has now been like toxified and is bad. But at the time, it was like kind of like a charm. It was
1: completely celebrated. It was just like, wow, like what a great moment and blah blah blah. and.
0: And and I'm at the risk of of, of canceling myself. I don't know actually. Is this bad now? Like how? What is the general vibe of? Is this like fully canceled? Well,
1: it's just like, you know, he did it without her consent, and it was so like very it was very aggressive because he also like dips her back and it was prolonged yes you know so not yeah. great
0: but i don't i actually don't even no, know but there was
1: it. like no controversy about it at the time
0: no. no uh and then his speech i thought was great uh he he goes on very long which is one of the things i really liked about yeah, they try this.
1: to play him off
0: and he says something uh what does he say here let me see i have they're already flashing time is up and then cut it out he goes Cut it out. Wait one second. I get one shot at this. I didn't say more than five names. And he has this great line here that kind of ties together with the war in Iraq and just like the general era of like real tragedy, obviously, with 9-11. This is, you know, it fills me with a great joy. But I'm also filled with a lot of sadness tonight because I'm accepting an award at such a strange time. And, you know, my experiences in making this film made me very aware of the sadness and dehumanization of people at times of war and the repercussions of war. And whoever you believe in, if it's God or Allah, may he watch over you. And let's pray for a peaceful and swift resolution. Thank you. And I have a great friend from Queens who's a soldier in Kuwait right now, Tommy Zabrinsky. And I hope you and your boys make it back real soon. I thought that was like, for the time, again, like to actually reference that Iraqis are are human beings and that a war is like bad just in general I found like really like there uh, were
1: not a lot of explicit references to Not I mean obviously like Michael Moore Michael um, Moore
0: accepted no there were yeah weren't. and
1: then like like Chris Cooper he he said like I wish us all peace in his so right was, like,
0: but like I felt like specifically like the fact that he referenced that like there are real people involved in more and it doesn't matter. There's no real sides when it comes to war. Right. Like yeah. I just found that like a really good message. I thought this feature was great. And it's like, he's so thrilled to have won. It's so good. His speech is so good. It's a real, he is a really good winner.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it was, he was seen as like a lock for a nomination, but I can't re- recall like anyone at the time predicting him to win. It was just always like, it was going to be Jack or DDL, you know, and um, because they had so Jack won the drama globe and Richard Gere won the comedy globe for Chicago yes. snubbed um, and then DDL and Jack uh, tied at Critics' Choice back then when they still had three nominees at Critics' Choice. I remember watching this ceremony when it still aired on E, so remember that. Mm -hmm. and um the third nominee in that category was robin williams so he was just like making a good time of it because he was the one loser in the category and yeah and then ddl won sag and bafta so it was like also that thing of like oh uh jack could win his fourth oscar
0: right yes yeah so my take was they didn't really love about schmidt obviously yeah And so I think that obviously hurt Jack here, that it was not going to be like a rubber stamp. And I think Daniel Day-Lewis in Gangs of New York is absolutely fucking awesome. It is like a great, great Daniel Day-Lewis performance. But I don't think he, he's the lead, but he's not the lead. And I think that kind of hurts. No, there was
1: also, I remember at the time, there was also talk like, oh, he's like really supporting.
0: But like- he kind of is. And yeah. if he went supporting, he would have absolutely won, I think, in World. But he's not going to go supporting as Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, but I'm not surprised he didn't win for this. And, and like, I don't
1: like and again, I don't think like they loved Gangs of New York. No. So
0: And it's funny watching it later when they do the Oscars uh the group photo. It's like he had only won at that time. It's just funny looking at him being like, Oh, yeah, here's my left a, foot. <laughs> he'd only won for my left foot. And then it's like, here's a future two times he's gonna win twice more very soon, and it's like the greatest actor of all time. But here he's just the guy who won for my left foot and it's very light.
1: Yeah, because the thing is if if Jack had won about schmidt he would have had four obviously total oh. but the, he would have been the first to win three best actor but then it became ddl was the one who actually achieved that later
0: <laughs> yes so. uh i love the nicholas cage performance adaptation i think it's like so great, much fun yeah really fun he was, and- he was
1: never winning but i was like uh i'm glad he he got nominated for it and he was he was there just to have he knew he was a filler nominee you know
0: uh, so I wrote down other people to get nominated. Richard Gere obviously is like the big one that feels like he could have gotten in. He was obviously, like you said, like nominated elsewhere. Certainly,
1: he won a globe. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Do Do you think like he's another one who could have also gone supporting? Um,
0: well, I think he's got to be in lead, but like I know
1: why him. he's in lead. Like, yeah. and I do think he's a lead. But you could like make the argument that like he could go supporting.
0: They could have frauded him for sure. Yeah, I think D. Um, has a better case for fraud in this case than Richard Gear, but they could have both. Yeah, also,
1: it. like Richard also got the SAG nomination too, so I like he probably just missed.
0: I think so. Uh, other people I wrote down again, no shots for a lot of these. Uh, Leo for Catch Me If You Can, like I said, I think it's like one of his best performances. So he was never going to get nominated with this and Gangs in New York in the same year um but this is a really good one Edward Norton for 25th Hour they didn't care about the movie but I mean he's great in it Sandler for Punch Drunk Love uh I prefer Uncut Gems certainly and The Hustle but uh this is a good first drama performance for Sandler that's uh, also and- why
1: he was never gonna get in because right. it was his first shift and
0: Eminem M&M for Eight Mile Joyce
1: obviously my guy just for the rap battle alone so good I also have um, Hugh Grant for About a Boy. Sure. Which is not going to happen. And Kieran Culkin for Iggby Goes Down. He got a globe nom for it.
0: Way to go. Uh, Best actress choice. Uh, Nicole Kimmon wins by a nose for the hours. There's a lot about the nose. Steve Martin. A lot about
1: a nose for like a whole fucking year.
0: Uh, Steve Martin's joke about. the nose in the beginning was, this is true, Nicole Nicola has worn a fake nose in every movie she's ever done, except for The Hours.
1: And there was also beef between Harvey and Scott about whether or not she should wear a prosthetic. Yes. Because one of them wanted her to and the other did not.
0: Exactly. Um, so. There was a recent Vanity Fair article about the whole Hours uh, campaign, basically, and referenced that and was like, you know... The nose became like a big, a big thing, like a big, big, big talking point. Uh, some people did not like the nose. The New York Times assembled Wolf Virginia Wolf scholars for a story headlined, The Nose Was the Final Straw, in which one professor huffed that the literary icon was turned into this absolutely maimed fool with a really ugly nose, says David Hare now. Uh, I don't give a flying fuck about the academics. And a few later apologized. That was incredibly mean-spirited. Costume designer Ann Roth, who first suggested the prosthetic, was reportedly disturbed by the tension around it. Rudin said, I ultimately hate the discussion of the nose. And even before the movie came out, Kidman told Newsweek she'd already been asked about the nose, quote, hundreds of times in the press. Prompted to comment on it again, she said only half-jokingly, Harvey told me not to say anything.
1: That whole, their whole campaign for that, yeah, because they also had to split the three of them, with Nicole... Meryl Streep and Julianne Moore so then it was decided that Nicole and Meryl would go lead
0: and Julianne would go supporting or
1: supporting because Julianne also had Far From Heaven where she's obviously to lead uh, but Nicole had the least amount of screen time in the hour so that was another big thing too some people thought she couldn't win because she had the least amount of screen time in her three so it's like is she or is she not lead but it's like you know we watch Jeffrey Rush and Frances McDormand win and they didn't they had like 30 minutes of screen time too so but yeah this was a a battle between her and renee zellweger obviously renee wants sag
0: this year and we kind of having these three in a row or this whole era i feel like to me looking back on it now it's like the same players just kind of like waiting their turn to win so renee gets nominated the year before for bridget jones which they they both were (laughs) right and Nicole from Moulin Rouge, right? So they're both in there the year before. Then then again, back again, Renee with Chicago and Nicole with the Hours. And then in Colt Mountain, they're in it again together. And then Renee wins supporting. So I was like... She, it, she thanks, Harvey. It, 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 we'll do that next week, obviously. But uh, yeah, no, it just makes me laugh. Like all these people... It's just like everybody waiting their turn. So I, I don't know. I mean, I have not... I got to say, not the biggest Hours guy, Joyce.
1: I haven't seen the hours in probably 20 years um but i i mean i thought it was it was a good movie um i'm not like passionate about it by any means um i thought she was great in it and she it is like it's a very baby performance you know and then she has like the train scene obviously a lot of yelling and then renee is like a little bit lighter i guess um And then I remember there was also, this is so stupid, but there was like talk about like, oh, should she win because she's not like a quote unquote real dancer? I'm like, what does that even mean?
0: No idea. (laughs) Like,
1: she's not a real dancer and singer.
0: (laughs) Like you mentioned, this is, and this is, so this is a big year for Nicole because she ended up getting divorced from Tom Cruise this year as well.
1: She, well, it was the previous year it was finalized. So she, like, her big, like, coming out as like a solo star in 2001 so she got and then she had Moulin Rouge and the others and she got nominated for Moulin Rouge and then she had the hour so then it was kind of like like you were saying like it was kind of like building up to this because she lost to Halle Berry the year before yes. and then like she lost for Moulin Rouge like and musical so you could see it's like oh they're not going to give it to you for a musical <laughs> uh
0: I was, again, like I said, a lot of these, this was an era of like nascent online journalism. Like you had the Roger E. I have Bill Simmons was doing a page two live blog of the Oscars Joyce, Let me tell you, uh, not in keeping with the, the tone, not, not the greatest, uh, tone, but I'll just read this part here because I thought this was funny because it's both awful in, in problematic ways, certainly now in hindsight. Uh, but also he, Correctly predicts Charlie Steron's Oscar win the following year. The best actress category includes two actresses who made themselves unattractive for the roles, Nicole Kidman and Salma Hayek. Then they were praised for their quote, courage in making themselves unattractive. Now everyone is following suit with this ugly trend. For instance, Charlie Steron put on 25 pounds for some upcoming movie about a female serial killer. This is a really, really, really bad trend. I hate this trend.
1: It's the D Lamb.
0: The D glam. And he was right. Charlie Stern wins that Oscar Uh, a year ahead. He was uh, right on. Um,
1: This was, I mean, like early in the season, obviously Julianne Moore was the critic save for Far From Heaven. Um, She won a bunch of critics awards, but it was like, even at the time I was like, she's not winning the Oscar. I just like, there's like no way they're going to go for
0: it. I feel like I missed, just for the nominees were Nicole, obviously Salma Hayek referred to Diane Lane for Unfaithful was like the uh, surprise, I think a little bit, right? Or just like the mainstream pick because that was like a very down the middle Adrian line thriller. Uh, Julianne Moore and then Renee Zellweger. Those are the nominees.
1: Diane was very much, because that movie came out in May and it was, uh, I remember whatever film Twitter was at that point, like pre-film twitter that was mm-hmm. like the, the just like the punditry covering at a time I remember there was a lot of support to get her the nomination um so she got it but yeah like Julianne Moore was the the critic's favorite but it was I like I just like knew at the time I was like once we get to the televised awards like she's not winning anything no. uh
0: and as in keeping again with the era and just that Hollywood in general attitude towards women hard for me to fill out. A, there's not a lot of roles I found that were like, who would have gotten nominated here? Basically, I mean, the
1: irony is though that this year or like the the lineup that we got in best picture, like, you know, like a, a female fronted film winning the hours is three female leads. Like that's actually pretty good.
0: <laughs> that's though. true. That's true. <laughs> You're right. Uh, I couldn't think of other people to put a Meryl Streep for the hours I had like as an alternate, obviously. Uh, yeah,
1: she was heavily predicted to get double noms.
0: Nia Vardalos for my big fat Greek wedding. Yeah. Uh Maribel Verdu for for Itumama Tambien would have never happened, but like certainly I think could be now would be a contender. And Emily Watson for Punch Drunk Love, though I don't think that's a really great Emily Watson performance, frankly, but
1: Okay. Um I also had Maggie Gyllenhaal Hall for secretary, sure. which is not gonna happen. No. So. But yeah it was nicole's time
0: yeah and by a nose that was the famous denzel uh denzel reads it off by a nose uh supporting actor chris cooper wins for adaptation ed harris for the hours is nominee paul newman for road to perdition john c reilly for chicago and christopher walkman for catch me if you can Walken had won uh at the baftas and i believe sag also
1: yeah, so they, Chris and, well, both Chris's, they split the precursors. So Chris Cooper won the Globe and Critics' Choice and Walk-In won SAG and BAFTA.
0: And um, the adaptation just seemed like a stronger movie, right? So it had four nominations.
1: Yeah, and I always felt like he was going to win too, which is, I think that that's such a, a fun performance, um, in that film and you know he he woos Meryl as he said that working with her was like making great jazz
0: um, again it helps to that he's in all his scenes with Meryl uh, a, a fellow Oscar nominee and like it's Meryl Streep so I think that helps compared to Walken who while is awesome in Catch Me If You Can I think it's like one of his great late stage performances where he's not like just relying on being Christopher Walken which he kind of just fell into obviously as he got older and people were just like do Christopher walk-in in movies uh he doesn't have that luxury of being with meryl streep even though a lot of his scenes are with obviously leo or tom hanks but yeah chris cooper is a good winner here
1: yeah and i just love like everything he says about war kids really <laughs> just... great um, um but the i mean the, the big snub here or like moderate snub was dennis quaid
0: so dennis quaid was nominated for far from heaven and alfred molina was nominated i think at bafta right for far from ever uh, frida those were like the kind of the um
1: yeah alfred molina um uh so bafta was uh chris to and alfred molina chris cooper at harris and paul newman and at sag it was Chris christopher and chris cooper at harris alfred molina and dennis quaid
0: so Molina definitely stopped. Dennis Quaid definitely stopped here. Those that have been like my alternates, I guess, but I had like a long yeah. list of performances. I loved Ray Liotta and narc, like we had mentioned earlier was like, that was like a, maybe like a comeback Ray Liotta performance, right? Cause he had been doing like a lot of like junky stuff. Never would have got nominated. The movie's too small and like kind of violent. So no, uh, other john c Riley performances though i think chicago's the right one but the hours or gangs i think are it would be possible i mean he
1: obviously got him for chicago because that was the biggest movie
0: right uh mentioned brian cox brian cox an adaptation i love brian cox in 25th hour i find transcendent, and he would never get nominated for like one scene basically but like man he's so good in 25th hour they
1: should someone if you know if if we're now where we have 300 critics awards like someone some like third tier group would give him the win for all of his films this year yes
0: absolutely because i'm born like you mentioned too uh other people i wrote down tom hanks for catch me if you can i remember like people were like weird about the accent he does the boston accent
1: this was also the start excuse me of um uh or well yeah the tom hanks being predicted to get in for films um like *Road to perdition and then him just not getting in for almost 20 years
0: <laughs> yes. uh
1: so yeah it was just not not a great
0: time period i, I wrote down all these other people too and they didn't like gangs in new york even though they gave it 10 nominations it's clear like it was not a fave or like they respected it maybe but i wrote down brendan gleason jim broadband and liam neeson all for gangs none of them would have gotten in i think broadband is great in it but no way and obviously it was the winner the year before um but that did not hold him any any favors uh for for this year There was
1: also um chatter at the time for to get a which would never happen Andy Circus nomination for the two towers
0: yes that was like a big deal i also wrote down Colin Farrell for minority report um he was good in it and kind of like it's like a good like
1: very he was very impassioned introducing you 2 on the yes. show
0: uh Barry Pepper and Philip Seymour Hoffman for twenty fifth hour. I wrote down Willem oh, Dafoe Pepper. for Spider Man.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about this, but I was like, I would actually nominate him for No Way Home.
0: And then your best friend, Nikki Holt, for About a Boy.
1: He's uh, it was the the movie was too small. Yeah, him, but I would do him, Hugh Grant, and also Tony Collette.
0: I have Tony Collette coming up here too for supporting actors. The winner was Catherine Zeta Jones. Very pregnant, Catherine Zeta Jones. For chicago uh, other nominees were kathy bates for about schmidt queen latifah for chicago julianne moore for the hours and meryl Streep for adaptation
1: yeah so this was catherine's mm-hmm.
0: to lose mm-hmm. she... so much so that they have sean connery come out and give her the oscar they knew that he was she was going to win so much well,
1: my favorite i remember when he read just catherine and then I was just looking at Kathy Bates. I'm like, oh no, she's confused. But like Catherine Zeta-Jones obviously knew. Um, she only, the only thing she lost was the Globe because they put her in lead. So yeah. she did win like, supporting and Meryl won supporting. But yeah, just, just a very delightful performance.
0: Love yeah. Catherine. I love Catherine Zeta-Jones. And this era is like great. It felt like she was like, you know, this is like her peak moment, wins the Oscar. Great stuff. Love yeah, her notion Ocean's and I, and I
1: always feel very ancient. Um, whenever she or Michael Douglas post about their daughter, Paris, who is now obviously 20 years old. Right. <laughs> like, Let me with her into dust. So, because I remember you when you were just in her belly. So.
0: Yep. Uh, um, not much to say here. I don't think, I mean, I think she's a rightful winner and like nobody else here would. This have was the mind.
1: only acting category that was not really a race because right. the others obviously, they, there were, I mean, there was a split here, but it was like a forced split. Basically. Yeah. But the other but races were closer.
0: The only other person who maybe could have gotten nominated was Michelle Pfeiffer for White Oleander.
1: She got into SAG, but I don't think she was really that close. No. I don't um, either. I have like Patricia Clarkson down for Far From Heaven. I think she got some like critics notices. Um, and obviously as I said, Tony Collette. So
0: I but- I also wrote down Amy Adams, like we had mentioned never would happen, but she's great in catch me if you can.
1: Yeah. Um, Cameron Diaz, our girl, got in at the Globes for Gangs of New York.
0: Uh, you know we love Cameron Diaz. I don't actually think she's that bad in gangs of New York, but I feel like the performance was like tarred basically. So she could not get in. No way would they have accepted.
1: I that. mean if she couldn't get in, you know, for like being John Malkovich, it yeah. was just like no way she was gonna get in.
0: Uh Samantha Morton for Minority Report, I think at the time was like something people were excited about. And then in hindsight, I mean, Tony Collette, like we mentioned, and in hindsight, I would say uh, Kirsten Dunst for Spider-Man. She's great in Spider-Man.
1: Um, did you, I felt bad for Julianne Moore because I was like, she's not winning either category. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I knew she wasn't going to win, but she seemed very happy to be there. And again, then yeah. we like, well, I guess we'll eventually get to this maybe next season, but we, if we ever did still Alice, like, it's like the cascading thing. Like, should she have won earlier? instead of winning well her- she
1: had a better performances for sure but that yeah. was her time and also an incredibly weak year
0: yeah so. um we do the screenplays here joyce we can do them quick original screenplay like we said went to pedro Almodovar for talk to her other nominees were far from heaven gangs in new york my big Fat Greek wedding and e to mama tambien and not a lot i had extra written down i mean talk to her is a great win i think and especially with that list again proving that they did not love gangs in new york uh that it just did not even it, well i don't know why it would even have won for screenplay it's not a screenplay movie to me but uh pedro maldovar winning his first oscar because uh he does not have a second even though he directed a an international feature that won.
1: it was also um that also wasn't Spain's submission into for foreign language film as it was known at a time so <clears> i also kind of feel like maybe that had something to do with it, it was like, kind of like retaliation so um i obviously wrote down eight mile
0: same silver I had that too. Um,
1: and also Igby Goes Down.
0: I wrote down Kissing Jessica Stein, which I really loved as a- That's where um,
1: John Hammond-
0: Jennifer Westfeld.
1: Yeah. And they dated for like 15 years.
0: Jennifer Westfeld co-wrote it. And it's a really good, like typical late 90s, early 2000s indie, New York indie movie. Um, but I did really like it. Never would have gotten nominated, but whatever. Uh, Adapted Screenplay went to The Pianist. Upset upset win, so much so that uh, I think that is referenced, let's see, hold on, I'm looking, uh, in that Hours article the other day that was like, uh, yeah, let me see. Yeah, David Hare was like, oh, I was fully expecting to win for the Hours, and uh, he did not win.
1: Because he also, um, like, he's talked about it like before and how you know, it's just like the campaign behind it, and like everyone was telling him to win. Like that's why I feel bad for the actual talent, like the nominees, because you even if you're trying to keep expectations low, um, and even if you you are winning other things, it's like yep, people around you, you have like people writing things saying like you're going to win, and even if you're not listening in it yourself, it's like so hard to ignore that.
0: Um, he, and there then was the David Hare quote was absolutely everybody told me I was going to win. And then he lost to Ronald Hardwood. Uh, he spent months on the trail with victory in mind. When I didn't win, I was pretty pissed off for about two and a half hours. The next day he says, I didn't care anymore.
1: Yeah, you move on. It's yeah. easy. Yeah, he won Um, <clears throat> WBA, um And uh, he didn't win BAFTA. I think Adaptation won BAFTA. But yeah, I I would say this was the most shocking of the pianists' wins. Because it's not a real like writerly movie. There's not a lot of dialogue in it, and it's, or really plot, <laughs> right?
0: Uh, and especially so, like, with Chicago could have won or the hours, right? Like I don't like think Chicago would have
1: won. I mean, like it's. I think that just the nomination just showed its strength because it's still like a musical, you know.
0: It, it definitely feels like the hours would have won here, especially it's like a, here's another one for the yeah, hours. that.
1: Yeah, w- that it was the favorite. Yeah, um, I think it was. like, it it would have been, or I think. A lot, most people thought it was between the hours and then the upset pick
0: would be, out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: and then Ron Harwood, who, RIP, like, he was shocked, too.
0: <laughs> he was. And he gave a good speech, mm-hmm. and thank Polanski, so canceled. Uh, other people I wrote down that should have gotten nominated were uh, Catch Me If You Can, another fave. Still going. 25th Hour, great script. Uh, Lord of the Rings, which would never get nominated, and About Schmidt.
1: Well, Lord of the Rings will win the next year or so.
0: Right. Yeah, this was just like, they didn't want to nominate. They knew they were going to give it everything next year.
1: I guess we'll talk about this next week, but it I never felt like they actually loved Lord of the Rings, but like they just knew it was such an achievement. And it was like, uh, maybe there you well, go. But, but, and this is the year mm-hmm. they could take a break from it.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. We usually do score, because that's always fun. And song we'll do, obviously, because of Eminem. So score, this is a crazy win to me that Elliot Goldenthal wins for Frida against Catching if you can, John Williams, one of John Williams' best scores, Thomas Newman for Road to Perdition, a great score, Philip Glass score for The Hours, and Elmer Bernstein for Far From Heaven. Those are great nominees. And God, I love Elliot Goldenthal, but I'm just surprised he was able to win. Um,
1: I I love that win. It's, it's a great score. Yeah, yeah. it um, is. Not as good as Catching if though. You know what? John has like a billion nominations, so he's okay.
0: Um, uh, and, and then original song "Lose Yourself" wins. Barbara Streisand gives out the award and is flummoxed by this. She is just like but, what the she hell?
1: was actually excited. People always think that she was like like a bad shocked, but she like she was like happy shocked.
0: I think she was happy shocked, but I think she was absolutely shocked. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the nominees, completely not surprised that it won. It i move on from chicago which is just a freebie like let's just put an extra song in for an original song nomination from Cantor and Ebb. Uh burn it blue from frida can't say i've listened to that one very much uh in in the last 20 years the hands that built america which i guess could have been the favorite because it's like u2 but not a great u2 song i feel like from gangs and it's just a credit song too and then father and daughter from the wild thornberries movie by paul simon so yeah no shit lose yourself one so,
1: um, as you probably could have predicted, this is my favorite Oscar win of all time.
0: Sure.
1: So, cause and is my fave. Yes. And so let me tell you what I did the day of nominations on okay. February 11th, 2003. So I was a senior in high school and upperclassmen, if you have off periods, you can leave campus. Okay. So I had four periods off my senior year of high school. And, um, I, uh, you know, we, we didn't have smartphones at this time. They did not exist. So. I went through my morning not knowing what the Oscar nominees were. <laughs> so my, I had periods four and five off. So after their period ended, uh, I lived uh, close to my high school, so I could walk home. So I just walked home, went to my room, logged online, pulled up the Oscar nominations. And obviously it led with like, you know, like Chicago, it was 13 nominations. And I just scrolled like immediately down to see the song nominees. Cause I just wanted lose herself to get in because I, just fervently believe that if he just got the nomination he would win win. and he got in and so i was like i pulled up i had a, a zanga at the time um that no longer exists obviously so then i wrote like a whole blog post about the oscar nominations and like eminem and like why he would win it was like the hardest thing for him to do was just to get the nomination but he got it and now he'll win and yes, you're right. Um, he was not favored to win at all because no one thought they would go for Eminem at the stodgy Oscars. And I remember talking to my friend like the Friday before the Oscars and I was like, he's going to win. And he was like, is he really though? Like, they're not going to vote for him. I'm like, no, like the, no one cares about these other songs. And now 20 years later, you have never heard these other songs again. No. Like everyone, Lose Yourself, Timeless Classic. I knew it the second I heard it.
0: <laughs> when it premiered
1: bang, huh? on TRL in October. And yeah, it's the best song. um It's his. I I don't even know if it's his best song, but it's obviously his signature song. Right. The third verse is immaculate. Like when the beat drops, um when he's talking about like the he can't stay in the trailer park anymore. Um, so I was like, he's gonna win. And so I was watching the ceremony the whole night, just waiting <laughs> for original song because like I knew he wasn't going because he had said he wasn't going. Um, so then when Barbara opened the envelope and said, "Woo," I knew he won. So good. Like you're not going to react that way to like you do. No, no. And then Luis uh, Resco goes up, accepts it in his Pistons jersey.
0: So good. It, the whole thing was great. I loved it so much.
1: And then he comes 17 years later
0: and for brings the house another
1: down. iconic moment. That was also great because that was preceded by, if you remember, a montage of like music and movies. Mm-hmm. And then it ended with like probably like 40 seconds of eight mile footage and they were mm-hmm. playing like, the piano intro. And I was texting with my friend, and I because I was thinking like this was a lot of eight mile here. So I text. I was like, "Imagine if Eminem just shows up right now." And he then did. literally like fifteen seconds later, he comes up on the floor.
0: Oh, was so good. And it, it was, was great. great, and
1: also a lot of ties to this the two thousand three ceremony too, because that was when Irishman got blanked
0: mm-hmm.
1: again. So another Marty over. And then um, obviously Sama Hayek was nominated this year for Frida. And then after she was presenting after Eminem performed in 2020 and she loves him. She told this story on the Kelly Clarkson show um, <laughs> like two years ago and how she like freaked out backstage. And then when he walked off stage, she spilled water on him and just said like, oh my God, I love you. Yeah. So there's pictures of them backstage. Awesome. And it's just, he looks like dazed because she's like trying to wipe the water off of
0: him. <laughs> so good. Uh <laughs> You mentioned uh, Michael Moore's speech. I'll just read it here. This got him booed off the stage, but he wins for Bowling for Columbine. He brings up all his fellow documentary nominees. And we would like to, here they are. They're here in solidarity with me because we like nonfiction. Moore said, we like nonfiction and we live in fictitious times. We live in a time where we have a fictitious election results that elects a fictitious president we and now he's getting booed fully booed at that that was like get the fuck out of here we live in a time where we have a man sending us to a war for fictitious reasons whether it's the fictitious of duct tape or the fictitious of orange alerts we are against this war mr bush shame on you mr bush shame on you anytime you've got the pope and the dixie chicks against you your time is up
1: that last part i don't think a lot of people hear cuz that's when
0: he's like we really found out yeah
1: yeah but just you know uh very prescient
0: yeah michael moore i mean michael moore obviously is not like a fave. probably a lot of people's fave anymore i don't even know who knows but i mean that was like he was definitely ahead of the curve on on that mm-hmm. and in the opposition to the iraq war uh certainly um what else peter o'toole wins his honorary oscar
1: yeah introduced by meryl
0: and then what'd you think of this joyce uh, then they do the family album and they bring out all the Oscar winners, including Peter O'Toole. Well, he's not an Oscar winner. He got an honorary Oscar. I always feel like that's a weird thing.
1: No, I mean, they included Kirk Douglas too, and he only has an honorary. So it's just like whoever yeah. is there, like who wants to go. And it's like, you're still a living performer who has been given, given being the keyword, not one an Oscar. So yeah, like, they're obviously not competitive wins, but they included him. They also had Margaret O'Brien, who won, who won, was given a juvenile Oscar, too. Um, what did you think about that package of that in- Kathy Bates introduced of just Oscar winners talking about like what it was like to win the Oscar? I was like, you're just rubbing it in the
0: losers' faces. It kind of felt a little weird. Like, there's one shot of Dustin Hoffman holding up his two, like he just looks. Kevin like Spacey a dick. does it too. <laughs> Kevin Spacey, and again, like just again. Can't get away from Kevin Spacey in this era. It feels like I'm just like, oh god. Uh, yeah, I was not super fan of that. But again, this still was a full hour shorter uh, than the previous years. Well, they didn't
1: have Woody Allen or Tom Cruise. No. So on
0: the couch. (laughs) Uh, But
1: yeah, I was just like, this is just. I don't know if we need to talk about like how great it is to win and how heavy the statuette is for hundreds of people who'll never know what it's like
0: to uh, one other last stuff i guess uh conrad hall won one of posthumous oscar uh for for road to perdition um his son accepted it on his behalf which is presented
1: by woman, julia roberts
0: who says i know a thing or two about cinematographers but doesn't say that she's like married to one i guess or were they not married yet
1: they were married because they they married on july 4th 2002 okay so
0: and some big deaths in the immemorium included like Dudley Moore, uh, John Frankenheimer, Billy Wilder, James Coburn. So,
1: oh yeah, James Coburn had one of his last films in 2002 in uh, Snow
0: Dogs. Yes, who could forget such yeah. a timeless classic? Uh, after Moore's speech, the other thing I wrote down was uh, another good Martin, Mike, uh, Steve Martin joke: the Teamsters are helping Michael Moore into the trunk of his limo.
1: That was a good one. <laughs> It's always good when after there's like a an uproar during the show, unexpected, and you have a host who's quick on their feet, who can land a good punchline to kind of ease
0: the tension. Yeah. So that, that's that's it, Joyce. That was the Harvey Oscars. Miramax had forty, a uh, thirty-one solo nominations, three best picture nominees, forty nominations total. If you count the hours, basically, that's crazy.
1: It's. Yeah, and I this is yeah the the peak of his powers really, and then yes. it slowly starts dwindling after.
0: It slowly starts dwindling after, but he still has two ceremonies that he steamrolls with the artist and King's Beach.
1: Yeah, but there's like no no like this like trouble domination.
0: Not like this anymore. Not like this, and, uh, not and, of, and seems... then they
1: also uh, tighten the campaigning rules after yeah. this. After this bruhaha, so that summer, they. Uh, announced like new campaigning rules because it it used to be that they would just like revoke um, your tickets to the show if you violated their very amorphous guidelines but now they're like tightening the campaign rules again this is 20 years ago and and that they were like threatened disqualification mm-hmm. if, if like you know you didn't, did not obey them um, but there was also so before all of this happened like um, during the the Gangs of New York ad controversy, uh, Rick Sands, mm-hmm. the Miramax flack, he wrote an op-ed in the L.A. Times, uh, basically being like, "What's what's the problem with that? Like, there's no problem." Um, so he like leads with like William Goldman's um, you know, attack on Gangs of New York, and then he points out like all these other people who have campaigned for others. Um, So there's there's been no criticism from the Academy or its members of Goldman or a significant number of Hollywood luminaries who are Academy members who have previously endorsed Oscar nominees during award season. Examples include Julia Roberts for Denzel Washington, Warren Beatty Beatty for Halle Berry uh, last year and the pianist this year, Elizabeth Taylor for the pianist, Steven Spielberg for Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola for Diane Lane. Um, if Wise's endorsement of Scorsese was seen as was seen by the Academy as improperly revealing his vote, it is unclear how any and all endorsements do not do so. But again, I think it's just your that's just spinning it to have your argument when the issue was that you reprinted that as an ad.
0: Correct. Right.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so then like by that summer they uh tightened rules um about like campaign stuff and um so like frank pearson yes uh then the the academy president said i think everybody agrees including the studio heads themselves the money being spent this year to advertise directly to academy voters was just getting out of hand and creating an impression that academy members can be bought or influenced and it'll be a disaster for everybody again Uh 20 years ago so that's why like all the bullshit this year with Andrea Riseborough, I'm like, guys, where were you 20 years ago? <laughs> like crazy. during Harvey's peak. So um, yeah.
0: Great times. So, so Joyce, we'll be back next week with another one of these Oscars playbacks to talk about the 2004 Oscars and Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Billy Crystal's back for an eighth time.
1: And it was on leap day.
0: It was February 29th, 20, 2004. So we'll be back and talk about that. Be, hopefully I haven't rewatched that one yet. I gotta be honest. I did a lot of little research. Seemingly a, like a, a lot less uh, somewhat problematic than this one was.
1: There were not as many um, sexist <laughs> jokes. No, <laughs> I don't, I don't really care about that ceremony just because it's like kind of boring with the sleep and I love Lord of the Rings, but it's just like, I don't, I don't really revisit that
0: year. <laughs> Well, we're going to, and we're going to have so much fun doing it. It's going to be great. I I guarantee you we'll have so much fun as usual. All right. I'll talk to you later. (laughs) For more great conversations about the Oscars and Hollywood's awards race, subscribe to Oscars Playback, wherever you get your podcasts.